Mark Selby, Chair and CEO of Canada Nickel, advancing the Crawford Nickel Sulfide Project, uh, one of the five largest nickel sulfide resources globally. We're completing a feasibility study this year, and we're fortunate to be located in Timmins, Ontario, uh, which is a well-established mining camp, and we're advancing this project towards construction later this decade. Mike, uh, good to have you on board. Uh, thanks for uh, getting up so early to talk to us. Uh, appreciate that. Um, just put a press release, uh, large-scale discovery at Reed. Um, what can you tell us? Yeah, so very, very exciting. So we had earlier in the summer talked about uh, the first few holes there, um, but this is one of 20-plus properties that we have. And uh, what we released uh, today was 16 holes uh, that have literally delineated a mineralized footprint that's 90% of what we already have at Crawford. And Crawford is the fifth largest sulfide resource across all resource categories. It's over 5 million tons uh, of contained nickel. You know, and the footprint that we've got established there in terms of, of the size of it is, is almost, as I said, about 90% of what we have at Crawford. And there's still another sort of almost double that uh, to go at, at, at Reed. So the, the big Big takeaway, one, it's great to make another massive discovery in a market that's short uh, of nickel resources in North America and Europe, anywhere outside of Indonesia, effectively. Um, but number two, in terms of, you know, we acquired this this 20, uh, 20 plus target package on the basis that we've got this sort of geophysical footprint that allows us to really target the kind of mineralization we're looking for. And so the results at Reed, plus we had some results from a few other properties where we hit 33 of 34 drill holes, hit the kind of mineralization we're looking for. So, you know, that really increases the confidence that the other 42 square kilometers that we have, you know, are going to deliver, you know, there's a, there's a, the, the success rate of, of being able to hit that other 42 square kilometers, you know, continues to increase every hole that we drill that, that hits the target mineralization that, that we're looking for. So, you know, we really, really are talking about a very large Timmins nickel district, not just the Crawford project going forward. Right. But the, the problem with um, projects like this is, is for you is, is great, perception of, of great. Yep. Metal, metal in the ground, no good to anyone. So yep. what, are, what can you point me to, which would lend me to believe that projects with this kind of grade are going to get financed and then get mined. Yeah. So, you know, in terms of the nickel space, the sort of the grandparent of these deposits is Mount Keith uh, in Western Australia. It's at a 0.5% head grade, but it's in, in sort of a, there's higher set of cost structures there. So that's why it works at that grade. And we can work at even a lower grade because of, of the location of where we are yeah, in Ontario. Uh, BHP is just, you know, is pursuing Oz Minerals. Uh, for a several billion dollar bid. One of them is the prominent hill mine that's been operating now for about uh, 15 years. The second asset that BHP wants by taking out Oz Minerals is a nickel copper deposit. That's 0.3 nickel uh, and also has 0.3 copper literally in the center of Australia, you know, almost a thousand miles uh, from anywhere. So Again, you know, if, if the biggest companies in the world are, are sort of pursuing those deposits, and again, BHP owned that deposit 10 years ago, sold it for a fraction of that price and then came back and is, is paying a huge markup for it. Again, it, it's frustrating for me because, it, you know, if you look at copper, copper's already been there for 20 years. You know, the, the bulk of, of the world's deposits that are being built today are between 0.3 to 0.5%, whether Cobre Panama with First Quantum, uh, you know, the, the, the one of the best operating uh, base metal mines in the world is the ATIC mine in Scandinavia. That's a 0.2% copper deposit. That's even lower value uh, than what we have. Um, but they are operating, you know, at the edge of the first quartile. 
because they're in a place with infrastructure. It's a large deposit uh, with low strip ratio operated at, at the right scale uh, in, in a location where you've got a productive, you know, productive workforce. And, and, and so, you know, we tick all those boxes in terms of where we are in Timmins. Uh, you know, again, PEAs are, are these days aren't worth much, but, you know, again, we did it with the Senko, who's a real engineering firm. And so, you know, again, we're confident in, in the numbers that we have there. We're 85% through our feasibility study. We're confident, you know, in the outcome of, of what that's going to look like. And so, you know, having, you know, another 5, 10, 15 deposits to be able to sort of feed into that same model, you know, we think is going to be highly compelling, uh, you know, for a global market that's desperate for large quantities of nickel from somewhere other than Indonesia. Like if you're so confident, why are you raising money with, um, with what was it? Well, I think it was 10 million bucks with Oramat yeah. um, as a loan facility. So, yeah. you know, I thought you were financed through to the end of the feasibility study. Yeah, we are financed at the end of the feasibility study. But again, you know, if you're actually building a project, um, there's a, you know, work that continues after the feasibility study is complete. So there's engineering work, there's permitting work that needs to be done. Some of that work is best done uh, in the winter time. And so to be able to, to do that work when it's optimum to do it and remain fully financed, uh, you know, beyond the end of the feasibility study, you know, ORMET, we did, we did a similar loan last year, uh, which worked out quite well and, you know, allowed us to take advantage of, of the market when the market was there uh, after the LME froze in early March. And again, have, you know, being this well financed, you know, gives us the luxury of, you know, a, you know, coming back to the market when the conditions are there. We're in discussions, you know, with a, a group of strategic investors, you know, which which are on, are ongoing, you know, and, and again, as we get closer to and beyond feasibility study, you know, that you know we expect uh, to see some good news uh, on that front as well. So. For right now, I mean, as you may have noticed, the markets aren't particularly uh, fantastic uh, right now. So, you know, we think this is a very cost-effective way to maintain a lot of optionality and continue to advance, aggressively advance this project. You know, again, we're doing a we've gone from whole five to feasibility study in, in just over three years, which is probably pretty much faster than anybody in the market today. Well, well let me talk, talk about the facility, if, if yeah. you don't mind, because nope. um, you can read a lot into um, the way that a company raises money. Yeah. This effectively bridging loan it feels like um quite seemingly well i, I it's, it could be a case of being quite expensive money so when you say it's it's a good way of raising money and i, I get the, the stock market has been hammered and share yeah. prices are down across the board but th this is expensive money isn't it no i mean if you look at what mining companies actually have to raise equity at generally you're paying you know if you're good you get just to pay six percent a lot of times it's 6% plus a pile of warrants. Uh, and then you're often doing it at 5, 10, 15% discount uh, to your share price. You know, again, the, 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 the types of the next round of investment that we're looking at isn't going to come with a 6%, uh, you know, advisor fee on top of it and is not going to be done at a 10 or 15% of the discount. So, you know, being able to have the cash in the bank to do the work we want to do this winter, you know, and keep all those options open. We think that small amount of interest that we have to pay over three months is, is, is more than worth it. Okay. I, I guess time, 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 time will tell. I think in, in moments like this in the market, everything feels expensive. Um, it, when we come out the other side, we'll, we'll be able to judge that more readily, I suspect. Um, just back on the, the work that you're doing to, for this feasibility study and what you're hoping to be able to include in it, will Reed be a big part of that feasibility study or is it all 100% on Crawford? It's 100% Crawford. No, Reed is really about, um, is about the 
beyond Crawford and, and to really establish, you know, the larger resource base. Again, people might say, why are you spending money on exploration when you haven't got full value for the first 5 million tons? Um, you know, very simply what it com comes down to is, you know, uh, n number one, the market's desperate for it. You know, the Korean companies that we've been talking to, you know, they're talking, you know, in the order of 300, 400, 500,000 tons of nickel required just in North America to meet the kind of growth forecast that they need, you know, you know, in a, in a decade uh, or so. And that's the market today where there's 150,000 tons of nickel. So as big as Crawford is, again, Crawford be the fifth largest sulfide operation when it's fully ramped up. They need 10 Crawfords and there's no visibility <laughs> or very little visibility on the other nine. So, you know, we think within our land package that we could have, you know, four, eight, 12 Crawfords. Uh, and, and again, for a company like a BHP or Rio Tinto, that's the exact kind of scale, you know, that they're looking for. The other big reason, and again, as a shareholder, why I, I think that's well, it's money well put to use is when you look at auctions, you know, for base metal assets, world-class base metal assets go out for 0.8 to one times NAV in a generally in a multi-bidder scenario. If you have the same asset with a lot of expiration potential, you can see that asset go out for anywhere up to 1.2 to 1.5 times NAV or greater. And, you know, there's no better example of that than Noron. Earlier this year, that you know went out at six hundred million dollars US, um, you know which which was <laughs> a substantial premium to the 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 inherent you know NPV that was there because of the exploration potential uh, that was there. So we think we do very wide space drilling on on these targets. Uh, you'll see you know in in Reed that's you know four hundred meter step outs. All we're doing is drawing the boundary around the shape of the mineral at this point. You know once we get more fully valued and, and the money is there at a reasonable price, then we'll drill it off. But again, if that bidder comes over the top, it gives us a, an ability to really talk about um, optionality. And if they're not prepared to pay full up, then that's great. They can have Crawford and we'll take, we'll take the rest, um, you know, and, and, and do the same thing again and, and create a lot more shareholder value with it. Well, that, that's where I wanted to go actually. Yeah. So I want, with, with the, okay. You said there was, you had a, you've done the loan with Ormet on the basis that there's some confidence about what the, the feasibility would look like. I, yeah. And I, I'm going to read into that, that what you saw in the PEA is, is translating into, into the feasibility study, yeah. right? Yeah. With, and if I, if I do that, and I've got a, I've, I've got a sense of what, it, what, what I think Crawford is going to deliver for you. How homogenous, how um, alike are these different deposits going to be? Is, is it fairly kind of, you know, in terms of the, or body, the grade, the, the, the you know, all the kind of variables that you one would look at to try and understand the economics. Are you literally saying when it, it, potentially you could have four, you could have eight, you could have twelve Crawfords? Yeah. Am I able to look at the feasibility study when it comes out and goes? You know what? Um, it, they'll all be roughly like this. The, the, the grades will be roughly like this. The economics will be roughly like this. I mean. I, how do I kind of get a sense of a projection of what the big, the big guys might be looking at when they're talking? Yeah, there'd, there'd be a plus or minus around that feasibility study number. But, you know, at the end of the day, once the rock is, is out of the ground, you know, the, the, the rock is very, very similar. The process plant is all the same. The only real variable would be sort of the strip ratio, given the geometry of the specific uh, deposits. But, you know, you know, what we've got at Crawford, uh, you know, is, is, is likely, you know, a pretty average type setup for the, the the different targets that we have reads actually better it's a big square so if you think of you know mining uh, you know mining you, you you want sort of a big square to the extent possible to, to optimize your your stripping ratio sort of longer and narrow 
it ends up being a little higher strip. And with Crawford, you know, we're around uh, two to one. And, and so, you know, anything else on the other targets will be pretty similar. So, no, they'll be able to take those economics and whatever other resource potential, you know, pretty easily, you know, sort of model that in terms of what the overall value for that land, entire land package could look like. Right. Okay. We're still on schedule time-wise for feasibility end of the year? End of the year. Yep. About 85% done. So the team's done a great job. Asenko and the rest of the uh, engineering firms, you know, have, have come through. So, you know, we're, we're quite happy where we are right now. So despite COVID and, and uh, other challenges, it, it's, uh, it's, it's come together quite nicely. Right. And do you, do you think the fact that you didn't get a strategic investor at the beginning of the year and raise the capital yourself hindered you at all? No. And I mean, in the, in the end, you know, we, uh, again, having the Ormet bridge loan when we did last year gave us a lot of flexibility uh, in terms of, of, of timing when we went to market. And, and again, you know, we, we did the work so that with a bunch of in, institutional investors. Um, and so we were able to raise $50 million at, in the beginning of March, you know, at a much higher valuation. And we expect our share price to get back to that valuation. And then some, uh, you know, once we get into to a better market here. Right. Okay. With all due respect to institutional guys, they, 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 they don't know what industry knows. So will you be engaging with strategic partners or industry or some kind of sale pro sales process or whatever shape, whatever you want to frame it as, yeah. um, once you've got the feasibility study out or do you, do oh, no, you we're, go, we're go in discussions. Again? We're in discussions with a range of strategic investors right now. I'm off to Korea in the middle of, of, of October to continue on with a bunch of discussions. Uh, that we're having there we've got large mining companies car companies um you know the whole whole private equity firms um and again real private equity not high cost of capital finance firms which a lot of them actually are um so yeah no no there's uh, again last year got cut out um so i'm not going to promise anything but just say there's lots and lots of discussions uh, going on right now 